you have your Bible, I would invite you to join me in the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. Philippians, chapter number 4. Stand about right here. I'll know when it's about time to be done preaching by the time I'm in the shade. Amen? I'm sorry? Halfway there. Message is already halfway through. I'm just kidding. Philippians chapter number 4. I want to draw your attention to three verses in particular as we have our time in the Word today. Philippians chapter 4. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 11. Paul says here, writing to the church at Philippi, from prison, remind, I will remind us of that. He's in prison, and he can still write these words. Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Read verse 13 out loud with me, would you? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Lord, I ask your blessing on your word. I pray that you will help us to understand it a little clearer today, perhaps than we have before. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me as you've worked in me. And Lord, thank you for these precious words from this man that gave his life to follow you and serve you and no doubt had concerns for his own nation and yet still wrote and encourage Christians to be in submission under the authority over them. Lord, we have great concerns for our country and all the things that we're going through even right now around the world, Lord. There seems to be so much unrest. And in your word, we can find peace and we can find hope. And we pray that we would understand the power that Paul speaks of here, the capability to do all things through Christ. May we understand it contextually. May we apply it to our heart as we walk with you daily. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. These are some powerful words that Paul writes here. Now, we've done a study through the book of Philippians. Mr. Mike has gone through this book with us even recently. And I've brought various messages from the book of Philippians. It's, it's a treasure. This book is in the New Testament. You learn so much in these four chapters. They're just packed full of all kinds of things that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I studied this. Uh, this was the text of the Scripture that we used as I studied about missions and what it was for the local church to be involved and engaged in getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so as you approach the book of Philippians, let me encourage you to read it as we would read one of the missionaries that's written us a letter from a field, uh, from the field, from afar, and written it from abroad, and writing back to encourage us to serve the Lord. Now, the difference is Paul's words were given by inspiration of God, and they're profitable for us. And so we don't equate, you know, a missionary letter with Scripture unless they quote and read Scripture, which many of them do. Uh, we have Brother Wayne Stark. He writes his uh, his updates from Baptist Circuit Riders uh, Mission, and when he begins his letters, it's almost like he's uh, giving us an encouragement, a charge, a challenge from the Scriptures. I love that, how Brother Stark does that. 
And he sets our minds on the Scriptures first and foremost. And so as we read the book of Philippians, let's do so as a missionary letter. That here is Paul, the Apostle. He's a missionary church planter. He's been sent out of a local church to go and be used of God to establish so many local churches in the Asia Minor area. And now, as he serves God, he's faced such persecution that where he's gone to preach, people have been so upset that they've actually arrested him and put him in prison for speaking the name of Christ openly. By the way, that'd be a good place for somebody to say, thank God for America. We can do what we're doing without fear of having to go underground right now on this soil. And that came at a, at a great, great cost. The price has been paid, not only, not only from our forefathers and those that have given their life's blood, but for those that are serving even right now. As we sit here, there are people defending our right to do what we're doing here, to open the Bible and to study that in a public park, in an open forum, to take little children and teach them the Bible without fear of someone coming to take us away for it. I don't mean to, to be a fearmonger or anything, but if we're going to keep, if we're going to continue to have it, it's going to be because we stand up and make sure that it doesn't get taken away from our children. And so we've got to do that. In these verses, he's writing from prison. He's writing to a church that has a heart for missions to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And these would be known in the book of Acts chapter 8. I'm sorry, in first, uh, 2 Corinthians, 1st 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. These would be known as the believers in Macedonia. Paul, in his missionary journey, he came to a place in Troas and had a mind to go east with the gospel. But the Holy Spirit hindered him there, and he was not allowed by God at that time to go east into Asia Minor proper. Instead, during the night while he was at Troas, he had a dream, and across the sea from where he was, there was a man of Macedonia. This man of Macedonia lifted up his voice in Paul's dream and, and said, come help us, come help us. And so that was the turning point a 180 degree difference in Paul's direction. He was headed east, and the Holy Spirit called him to go northwest, across the sea. So he gets in a boat, he gets in a ship, and he sails across the sea there, and lands in, in uh, up in the Macedonian area, begins to preach. As he gets just a little ways inland, he comes to the city of Philippi, and just outside the city there's a river, and there's a prayer meeting happening down at that river. And there's some ladies that are gathering for prayer down there. And they're having a worship service. They're praying. And Paul joins in. And there's a lady there named Lydia. As he's able to lead to Christ. And she gets saved. Not only while he's in Philippi. Uh, something else happened. There was, a, there was a, a, a young lady there that was caught up in sorcery and different things. And he was able to lead her to Christ. And she found freedom. And began to worship and serve Jesus Christ. And, oh, by the way, something else happened. He got thrown in jail. You remember that? In the midnight hour, him and Silas in that jail cell. And they were just, I'm sure they were doing better than I was up there earlier. But they were singing and praising God and worshiping. And 
and through the night. And, you know, so much so, I guess their music had the effect on the jailer that he just kind of nodded off. You know, I do that sometimes. I have that effect on people. I don't know. Probably not. I would guess they're singing hymns. But, you know, as you just kind of sing through the hours and you sing those precious, precious truths in song, maybe you're singing some psalms or you're singing some hymns, and, and just lifting up your voice like we did with Holy, Holy, Holy here. Just singing that through. You know, the jailer checked out. Man, he's fast asleep. And then an earthquake happens and and the doors of the, the jail cell open. And Paul and Silas and those with them, they could have just walked right out of that jail cell, but they didn't. They stayed right there. Well, the, the jailer got up and saw the other prisoners gone. And he thought, surely nobody else would be, you know, dumb enough to stay in the jail. But Paul and Silas stayed because it was the right thing to do. And through that, he was getting ready, the jailer was getting ready to take his own life because he knew that if he didn't, his, the authorities were going to have him put to death for falling asleep on the watch and letting the prisoners escape. And he'd have to give an account for that. And right as the, as the act was about to be done, Paul lifts up his voice and says, don't do that, basically. And dumbfounded, the man looks to Paul, and after everything they'd done through that worship service that night, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So here we have Lydia. We have that, that young lady who was caught up in sorcery and witchcraft and, and only God knows what else with all the drugs and things that go along with that. And you have this jailer who's just making ends meet and working his, his job. He might call it a dead-end job. I don't know. He's having to do it. And he's there at the end of his life in a low, low place. I mean, the man was already down this road, I guarantee you. Why would he be contemplating what he was contemplating that night? And through not only them, but a nucleus of believers began to form there at Philippi. And they just loved God with everything they had. They served Him. And they went through times of great distress and difficulty just for serving God. Sometimes they would show up to meetings and there might be just a few in number. Other times, maybe they'd have some more gathering. But they, they gave of their want. And they were the givers of Macedonia that gave sacrificially. And every need that Paul had, they found out some way that they could try to meet his need. Even when they didn't have it themselves, they would give to take care of Paul because they knew he was doing exactly what he did at Philippi everywhere else he went. And so they stood behind him and they gave time and time again. And so when we read promises like Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. We must keep it in context. The condition to having that verse fulfilled, to having that promise met, is if you are to the place where you are giving and sacrificially giving yourself to the Lord first and then focused on others rather than yourself, that's when that verse comes into play. And Paul says, I have no doubt. God will supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So let's not lift verses out of context. I'm afraid that Philippians 4.13 is just so one of those verses that it's easy to apply to every circumstance under the sun when it might not exactly fit every single circumstance under the sun. The immediate context in these verses, verse 11 verse 12 and verse 13 is Paul giving some words about the roller coaster of life. How many of you know that life is like a roller coaster? 
Some of them are a little more twisty and, and uh, loopy and crazy than others, right? Some of them, they just pedal to the metal and then boom, it stops and it's done. Others, maybe you get a little coasting in there. I don't know what kind of roller coaster person you are. My favorite was always the Great American Scream Machine, and I grew up riding that in Six Flags Over Georgia. And it was one of those old wooden coasters. You remember those? You just go up that big mountain and then plummet to your death. I'm just, I'm still alive. I didn't die, but that was a that, that was a thrill. You know, it takes takes everything from you. I tried to do some of those really twisty, curvy ones, and then I had to go to the chiropractor, and I said, "Well, I don't think I'll do that anymore." <laughs> Banging my head on the side of all the all the equipment and everything, and oh, walking around sore for a week and a half after that. Yeah, life is full of times of, of ups and downs. And Paul says here, he's been through those. And through every circumstance, through every situation, he says there is a temperance. There is a place where I can know that I'm safe. There is a peace that passes understanding. He writes that in this letter, by the way, about the peace that passes understanding. He says there's this place in the midst of all of the the ups and the downs and all of the prosperity and all of the lack, there's a constant. There's a steadiness that carries us through no matter what's going on around us. And so we can face the external from the strength that we have in the internal. Go back to that fateful night where the jailer got saved. That was a horrendous circumstance from that man's perspective. So much so that he thought life wasn't worth living anymore. And yet, through it all, Paul reminded him of the constant. No, there's a better answer. There's a better way. You don't need to do that. You don't need to go to that extreme. How were they able to praise God in the middle of the night in the prison cell? It was because of what they knew inside. The strength they found in the inner man. Now, think about Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. All things is conditioned by verses 11 and 12. Look at them carefully with me once more, once more, would you? Not that I speak in respect of want. The word want means lack. For I have learned, phrase by phrase here, there's a couple of ways that we can learn. We can learn by education, edumacation, or we can learn by experience. Sometimes it's better to learn by education. Sometimes you can't learn by education what you need to learn by experience. I can illustrate both of those for you very easily. Oh, I have, uh, you know, I've watched and observed children, and if there's one that gets in trouble before another, they learn, the, the other one that didn't get in trouble learns from education, while the other one learns from experience. That'll, that'll sink in in a minute. <laughs> I would also illustrate it this way. I spent many years in a classroom studying the Bible, learning how to study the Bible. I went through seminary classes that we theorized about what we would do in situations when we show up to pavilions and power doesn't work, <laughs> and when, when things aren't working exactly like we'd like them to. We, we only theorize about that. But it's when we get into the experience of it, my pastor uh, that I, I served under, in Pensacola before we moved out here. He said that he had written a, a manual to help his interns, which, which he helped me tremendously. 
and the title of that was Please Avoid My Mistakes, Some Suggestions, suggestions for Doing So. And so uh, in there he had a statement that he said, what you cannot get, I don't, I don't remember exactly how it was, but it was basically what you cannot learn from a seminary classroom, but what the first two weeks of ministry will require you to know. <laughs> and so that was tremendous, tremendous help. We were able to learn by education, but then through the internship, I learned so much by experience. So Paul says here, I have learned. What kind of education did Paul have? He was a man who was trained at the feet of Gamaliel in the school of Hillel, the cream of the crop of his day, religious elite as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. The man had the educational knowledge. He knew the scriptures. And that comes out in all of his writings. He wrote uh, 14, I say 14, maybe you'd say 13, but I say 14 books of the New Testament. He wrote those. And we have such record of his knowledge of the Scriptures. He's constantly quoting the Old Testament Scriptures. He knew them through and through. And not only just knowing them, he knew how to apply them to life and how to bring Christ out through the Old Testament Scriptures. Time and time again, you see him doing that. So here's a man who had education, and yet he says... I have learned all the education, and yet Paul says, I've learned. There's some things he experienced while serving God that he would have never learned had he not followed the Holy Spirit where he did. What if he would have gone to Asia Minor instead of to Macedonia? Well, you can scratch Philippians possibly out of the New Testament. God still would have, he, he's sovereign, I understand that. But, how much would have been impacted? It might have been the letter to the Asia Minorans. I don't know how do you say Minorans. I just made that up. But instead of the book of Philippians. And in Philippi, he writes to them and he says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith, here's the key. You want it? You don't remember anything else I say? Remember this. Contentment. Contentment. Be content with such things as you have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. They that will or they that desire, they that want to be rich and pursue that, pierce themselves through with many sorrows. They're not the victims. They did it to themselves because they got their priorities out of line. Godliness with contentment. Be content with such things as you have. God's been good. So Paul had times where he had plenty. Paul had times where he probably had a, a lot of lack. And he's praying, Lord, where's it going to come from? I don't know where the next meal is going to happen. Man, it's cold here in this jail. So when he writes one of his letters to Timothy, he says, make sure you bring the scrolls. I need my books and I need my coat. It's cold in here and I'm bored. I need to read. And so help me. There were times when Paul had great, great lack and he suffered persecution. And yet through it all, he remained content. He remained in that constant, in that steady. He says... I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Let me summarize it for you this way. There is a strength to be found when we're satisfied in Jesus Christ. Say that with me. There's a strength to be found when we're satisfied in Jesus Christ. Was Paul satisfied? Oh yes, he was satisfied. Have you found that satisfaction that only Christ can give? There is a strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. There is a strength 
when we learn to be content with the things we have, when we learn to be to abound and, and to be abased in all of these things, when we come to that medium, when we find that constancy, there's that satisfaction that comes. I don't have to try to please God anymore because Christ did it for me. I can stop trying to work to get in good with God and I can just trust Jesus and all His blessings are mine. There's the satisfaction that comes from knowing your sins are buried beneath the sea, the deepest sea, as far as the east is from the west. So far as He removed our transgressions from us, satisfied. Look at verse number 12. He says in verse 11, I've learned. What did he learn? Be content. That's what he learned. Verse 12, I know. So now he moves on. He says, not only have I learned, but I know. Well, we don't know unless we learn, do we? And so Paul says, now I know. I know a couple of things. I know both how to be abased. That's those low times. That's the down here moments. The abasement, the humility. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. That's up here. That's the prosperity. So in times of want, in times of lack, in times of humbleness, Paul says, I know how to abound there. And then in times where he abounds in the prosperity, he knows what to do with failure just as well as he knows what to do with success. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And it's about the Lord Jesus. He says, everywhere and in all things, I am instructed. This is really interesting. He's learned in verse 11. Now he knows in verse 12. And yet he continues to say, I have been instructed. Now if you look that word up, you'll find out that that word instructed means he learned the secret. Where was he instructed? Well, if you study other portions, you'll find out this man sat at the feet of Jesus Christ himself for at least three years on the backside of the Arabian Desert before he was ever in ministry. From the time Paul got saved on the Damascus Road to the time he went forward to serve God, that was a time span of about 14 years. So don't think it happened overnight. Paul says, I am instructed. Hey, I found out the secret to this thing. There is, there is something to this. I have been instructed. He found out the secret. This isn't some Gnostic secret knowledge that's hidden necessarily that you have to have a special key to unlock. No, it's right here. It's available to anyone who will seek the Lord. They can find this same secret from God. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed. I found out the secret in every area of my life. Here's the secret of how I live. I am at the same time full, and I'm at the same time hungry. How can you be both? I don't know about you, but here are just a few moments when our lunch shows up. I'm looking forward to stopping, you know, to, to not being hungry anymore and and I'm looking forward to being full, and then I'm going to have to take a nap in the shade somewhere because that's usually the effect that lunch has on me. I have to go find a shady place to rest. My eyes get that heaviness on them. I don't know. Paul says, in everywhere, in all things, I'm hungry, and yet I'm full. 
how to be full and how to be hungry, how to abound and how to suffer need. I don't have all the answers. But in every situation, this is the secret. Are you hungry? And at the same time, are you full? I'm going to let the Scripture be the Scripture. Because if your mind's like mine, it's already racing in, in so many ways about how to be full and hungry at the same time. I'm full of God's blessings. My cup runs over. And yet I hunger for the righteousness of God. I thirst after what Jesus Christ would do in and through me. And yet I'm so satisfied. God has been so good to me. He's blessed me beyond anything I could ever dream. I'm full and I'm hungry. I'm yearning for more and yet I'm content and I just count my blessings and say how good God has been. Paul says that's the secret. In other words, don't stagnate. Don't find that mediocre place where you're neither full nor hungry. You're just kind of, meh. Bible reading, meh. I can take it or leave it. Prayer life, meh. I can take it or leave it. Church, eh, okay, I'll go if it's all right. I take it or leave it. That's not where you're going to find the secret. Not those kind of attitudes. It's not a take it or leave it kind of mentality as we serve Christ. It has to be, I'm so hungry for Him. I'm, I'm famished to see God move in my family and in my home and in my life. And yet at the same time, I am full in how God has been to me. He has been so good to me. So, as Paul says here, he's learned the secret. Let me summarize it for you this way. Not only is there strength in being satisfied by Jesus Christ, there is strength to be found in being edified by Jesus Christ. Say that with me. There's strength in being edified by Jesus Christ. Paul said, I have been instructed. He was edified in this knowledge of how to be hungry and how to be full all at the same time. Built up, rooted and grounded in Christ. Growing into the stature and the maturity of Him. So I ask you, are you satisfied, content? Are you being edified? Are you learning of Christ? For He's meek and lowly. Continually being built up in Him. Thankful for what God has done. Your cup running over and yet hungry to see God do more in your life. Thirdly, I want you to look at verse 13. And keep the context in your in your mind. We're satisfied in Christ. We're edified in Christ. And there's strength in that, but there's a third one. He says here, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now I looked at it and I read it uh, roughly in the original and, and it just spoke to me volumes. And you have a wonderful translation. I can do... If you were to read it literally, you, it would say all ability. Two words. All ability. And it's by the strengthening of Jesus Christ. Think that through word by word with me. All ability. Through or by, through the strengthening of that comes by Jesus Christ. And so, as we read the translation, now it makes sense why they would put it the way they did, right? I can do all things. 
all ability. Ability for what? Ability to be hungry, ability to abound, and ability to be full, ability to be satisfied. You can find that strength in your life, and it's only through one source. When we showed up this morning, we tried every way we could. We plugged into every outlet we could find, except for the right one. It was right back there. And the lady walked in with her tester, plugged the thing in, and boom, she had power at that one outlet. Because she got plugged into the power source. And then we had to find out what was going on. I would, I would assume that she had to go flip the breaker or something behind the lock in the back. And when she did that, it opened up the rest of the circuitry, and we were able to have power all the way up here. It came through somewhere. Now, it came from the grid, I know. We're not running our own solar, and we don't have generators, and... We're not you know, running windmills to generate our own power here, so we're on a grid. We get our power from the city, but they have to make power from somewhere, burning coal or, or fire or, or uh, different means, windmills over here. I mean, we have all kinds of ways that we try to generate electricity. Well, it goes from there, and it comes through the power box, and it comes here out to our equipment, and then we turn it into sound. And some of that sounds better than others. But it's all to the glory of God. I can do all things through... Christ, which strengtheneth me. Think about that as we illustrate this verse. All ability comes through one source. Are you tapped into that? Or is it in your life like you're walking up and the outlet might be there and you're trying to plug it in, but there's no juice. There's no energy flowing. Well, then something happened somewhere and the breaker got flipped or the power station went down. The problem's not with God. He's omnipotent. He has all power. So will the problem ever be that the power station went out? No. The power's going to be probably on our end or somewhere in between us and God. Think about that. Jesus Christ is the mediator. If you're not saved, then you're not right with God. You are disconnected from life. You are disconnected from the life giver. You must be born again you must come through Jesus Christ, and that way you have the Holy Spirit in you, and that's where this source of power begins to move in your life. But as you walk with God, we can have things come in our life that, that maybe trip the breaker. I mean, we still have the circuitry, have things in place. You know, we're on our way to heaven, and all that's grand, but we're not walking in fellowship. We're not, walk, we're not walking in the power. We're not walking in the strength. Things happen and we're hungry and we don't know what to do about it. We wind up making decisions in our own strength rather than relying on Christ. What's the real reason why you're hungry at this time? What's the reason for the abasement? Let's trust God that He's working something bigger than us. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Are you satisfied? There's a strength to be found in being satisfied by Jesus Christ. There's a strength to be found by being edified in Jesus Christ built up in Him under the perfect man, wisdom and stature. There's also, thirdly, a strength to be found. And this is the last one for you to think about this morning. In being fortified by Jesus Christ. The fortification that comes. All ability through the strengthening or the enabling, the strengthening. Dunamis is the root word under that. Power. Dunamis, some have talked about it being the, the dynamite kind of power, explosive power. 
I don't know if that does the, the Greek word exactly all the justice that that word entails. But, I mean, dynamite's pretty capable stuff, isn't it? Dynamite's going to move these bricks out from their place. And so when Jesus says about casting mountains into the sea and having faith of a mustard seed and those things, that's the kind of faith that moves mountains. That's only going to come through one source. It's going to come through Christ by means of Jesus Christ, the anointed one of God. And so are you saved today? Are you walking in sweet harmony and fellowship with God? Have you trusted Him? Are you plugged in to that power source and able to do all things? Now, it doesn't mean that I can walk out here and lift up you know, a car if I felt like it. I can do all things through Christ. Bruh. Wrong. I'll be in the hospital very quickly. I try to do something unintelligent like that. <laughs> yes, I'll just leave that there. No, so all things is conditioned by what? The learning the secret of contentment and that, that even kill in life, that temperance. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. There's a way that we can walk in our life. I think I'm getting caught up in some kind of spider way. That's interesting. Church in the park, I love it. I'm sweating, preaching through spider webs, talking about being content. Amen. I think I think you get the message. Satisfied, edified, fortified. Think about that as you go from this place. And remember, there's only one source for that godliness with contentment.